welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. This episode is for anybody who wants to amp up their skincare routine. So whether you're literally starting from scratch and you're looking for information on how to build an efficacious routine, or maybe you already have one kind of down pat, but you're looking for ways to increase efficacy and see better results. Whether you're a seasoned skincare vet or a total beginner, there's something for you in this episode. So let's get into it. As a dermatology PA, I consult on skincare day in and day out. I can do this in my sleep. I know it like the back of my hand by this point. I see everything from severe acne and rosacea to those who are just looking to increase their glow a little bit. This is going to be a really great sample regimen that you can apply to just about any skin type or concern. So get ready to take some notes. The first thing you want to do is get to know your skin type. In clinic, there's actually a pretty detailed test that our patients take, and that tells us that they are one of actually 16 different skin types. It's called Skin Type Solutions. It's a pretty incredible product, and there are other dermatology offices across the country who use it. But for the sake of this episode, we're going to keep it simple, and we first just need to find out if your skin is dry, oily, or perhaps quote-unquote combination skin. The way I recommend to do this is to actually wash your face with your normal cleanser and then don't apply any serums, don't apply any moisturizers, just sit with your skin for the next 30 minutes to an hour and see how it feels. If after about 30 minutes to an hour you notice that your skin is still feeling tight and you still have that urge to apply moisturizer, you're probably a dry type. If your skin is feeling like it's already oily, then you're definitely an oily type. If you're feeling dry in the periphery and pretty oily in the T-zone or your T-zone is looking shiny, you might be what we may call a combination skin type. Now, a little note on combination skin. There isn't a true definition of this skin type, but I like to think of it as two different types of skin. One being the one that I just described the outer portion of your face, it tends to become dry, while the T-zone, the area between your eyebrows, your nose, your chin, tends to get more oily. This is probably the most common skin type that I hear referred to as combination skin, especially when I'm seeing patients in clinic and they're describing their own skin type. Another type of combination skin might be when you're traveling to areas with lower humidity or maybe during the winter months you have dry skin, but during the summer months you feel like your oil production is really upregulated and you're really oily and greasy. That can be another common skin type that we refer to as combination skin. So it's important to understand where you fall on that scale so that you can pick the right treatments, the right products for your skin type. But no matter your skin type, this basic skincare regimen, this basic order of products and framework is going to apply to you no matter what. 
The next thing you want to know is your skin concerns. Are you concerned with fine lines and wrinkles? Are you concerned with hyperpigmentation? Are you concerned with blemishes? Knowing your concerns is going to, again, help you better pick your products. And I really encourage people to shop by concern, not by ingredient. When we're grabbing these single ingredient, hero ingredient products like a niacinamide serum or hyaluronic acid serum, we're really missing the boat and we're not using our skincare to its full advantage. So if you have dry, dehydrated skin, you want to shop for products that are good for dry, dehydrated skin. If you have hyperpigmentation, you want to shop for products that are good for hyperpigmentation. And these products, these brands have put millions of dollars into marketing and research and development. So you're going to know what the purpose of the serum or product is and what exactly it's targeting. So instead of trying to play your own cosmetic chemist, I recommend letting them do the work and picking the finished formulation that makes the most sense for you. This not only is going to keep your skincare regimen a little bit more minimal, which is important, but it's also going to allow it to be much more efficacious. Because a lot of these products combine ingredients that do these things. So yes, niacinamide might be good for your barrier and it might have some brightening properties, but when it's combined with the right other ingredients, that's where the magic happens. Another topic that I wanted to quickly cover before we go into the regimen is medical grade products versus cosmetic products versus OTC or over-the-counter skincare. So medical grade doesn't have any sort of real regulation around it. There's no governing body that says when a product is medical grade and when it's not. So you have to take those claims with a grain of salt. In general, we take medical grade to mean that it's sold at a dermatologist's office or a med spa. And while medical grade products can be incredibly efficacious, I use many of them in my regimen, it doesn't mean that they're somehow superior to other products on the market. Cosmetic products are products that you're going to find in retailers like Ulta, like Sephora, like drugstores, and they won't have an active ingredient label on them. If it has an active ingredient label, it's considered OTC or over-the-counter skincare. These are going to be things like your Adapalene, your sunscreens, your benzoyl peroxide, salicylic acid. So again, it doesn't mean one is better than the other. They just might be better for different times in your regimen or different skin types and concerns. So don't be fooled into spending $300 on your skincare routine just because it's a quote-unquote medical grade routine. You can still find great products and formulate a great regimen with cosmetic or OTC skincare. One thing you'll notice throughout this episode is I'm not here to tell you to buy one brand over another. I am completely brand agnostic. That means that I don't think that there is one brand that's the best out there. Often I'm getting these DMs of what's the best brand for this or what's if you could only buy one skincare brand, what would it be? I actually can't answer that question because I can't think of a single skincare brand on the market that I would blindly use every product that they offer. In fact, most of these brands will create a hero product. For example, let's say the SkinCeuticals Cerulic Vitamin C. Everybody knows that that's a hero vitamin C product. It's a patented formula. There's a lot of research and development that went behind that at Duke University. And it's one of the ones that you'll hear us recommending the most often because it is so heavily researched. When a company comes out with a hero product, they will often piggyback off that product and 
create other products for a regimen that they can sell you along with that product that they know you're already interested in. And so it may not be that that's the best cleanser for you or the best moisturizer for you. You need to cherry pick the best product for your skin type and your skin concerns, the best cleanser, the best eye cream, the best serum, etc. And that's how you really formulate an impactful regimen rather than just blindly following one brand. And I know that can seem overwhelming and I don't mean that you need to do all this research and and really bog yourself down and have kind of that decision paralysis where then you're not even picking any product. What I mean is pick one that seems like it's good for your skin type and give it a real shot. Stick with it. Don't just blindly follow one skincare brand. So without further ado, let's talk about a regimen from start to finish. The first step in any regimen is going to be a cleanser. I'm often asked if it's okay if you can just splash a little bit of water on your face in the morning, and that's totally fine. In fact, I do that sometimes, and I recommend it for my patients who are dry and sensitive. Cleansing is absolutely incredibly important at night for obvious reasons, but if you're also adding a cleanser in the morning, this is when I tend to like to add active cleansers. And this is because usually my serums at night are a bit more active. I'm using my retinoid and other serums at nighttime, so I like to keep my cleanser at night super gentle. But in the morning, if you have concerns like blemishes, you can use perhaps a salicylic acid cleanser. My favorite for acne is actually from Replenix, and it's a combination of salicylic acid and glycolic acid. There's also a great one from Dr. Dennis Gross, their alpha-beta cleanser that has both salicylic acid and glycolic acid in it. These are both great for oily, acne-prone skin. If you have dry skin, I love something like a pure glycolic acid cleanser, usually in a creamy base. AHAs like glycolic acid tend to be better for those who have dry skin. So in the morning, you'll choose either a gentle or an active cleanser. And in general, for oily skin types, you want to use something gel or foaming. And for dry skin types, you want to use something milky or creamy. That is because milky and creamy cleansers often have lipids that actually get deposited on the skin when you're cleansing. And that can help to prevent that tight, stripped feeling. Those cleansers are not going to strip the skin in a way that a gel or foaming cleanser probably will. Those are cleansers that are better suited for oily skin types because they do have the excess oil that we want to remove from the skin. If we're talking about your nighttime cleansing routine, I do like to start with a first cleanse, like a cleansing balm or a cleansing oil. This is just going to help to effectively remove any sunscreen or makeup from the day before you go on to your second cleanse, which is where you're going to get the real benefit of actually cleansing the skin. For cleansing balms and oils, I tend to like ones that are fragrance-free, super gentle. The Notorium Cleansing Balm is really nice, fragrance-free. I also like the Elemis Naked. That one doesn't have any fragrance in it. And for cleansing oils, I love the Clog Oil or the PCA Cleansing Oil. These are all great options. There's many more out there. You just have to kind of find what works for you. And in general, for this step, I like to apply the oil or the cleansing balm to dry skin. So right on top of your makeup and sunscreen on a dry face, you'll just apply this and really massage it in. Then you're going to add a little bit of water and emulsify the product. So emulsification is just a term that means that two ingredients that don't normally mix are put together. And that's you get that milky substance when you use a oil or balm cleanser like this. After really massaging this into the skin with the emulsification step, you can either use a very, very gentle microfiber towel to remove it, a damp towel to remove it, or you can just splash your face with water to remove it and move on to your second cleanse. 
At night, I like to keep the cleanse super basic and gentle, as I mentioned. So for somebody with oily skin, that'll be a basic gel or foaming cleanser, something like the Metature cleanser, or I also really like the bubble gel cleanser. But if you have dry skin, again, you're going to want to look for formulations that are creamy and milky. I really like VMV Hypoallergenics. They have great creamy cleansers. I also like the Skin Fix foaming oil cleanser. It, it does say foaming in the name, but it's not a true foaming cleanser. It's a very nice and milky cleanser. La Roche-Posay and CeraVe both make good hydrating creamy cleansers that are great drugstore options. So that'll just be one cleanse in the morning if you choose to cleanse at all. At night, you'll do a double cleanse to effectively remove your sunscreen and makeup. Really, if you're applying enough sunscreen in the morning, you definitely need a double cleanse. I wear tinted sunscreen so I can tell when whether or not it's all been removed. And I can tell you that when I don't double cleanse, it never comes off all the way. And that's really key to getting the benefit of your products in your nighttime routine and also keeping your skin blemish-free. If you choose to use an eye cream, I actually choose to use it at this step in my routine if I'm using one. I like to apply it on dry skin because then I'm getting the real benefit right after I've cleansed. There's nothing on the skin that's going to impede penetration, but also it will act as a little bit of a barrier for the serums and treatments I'm going to use next so that the delicate eye skin is properly protected. Again, an eye serum or an eye cream is really not a crucial part of a regimen. In fact, I would say it's the last thing you should spend your money on if you feel like the rest of your regimen is already down pat and you want to add something, then an eye cream is a good place to start. But it's really not a necessity. One of the benefits, however, of an eye cream is that it's specifically formulated for the area around the eye, which tends to be a little bit more sensitive and less tolerant to products. So if you're someone who does find that you get irritated or dryness around the eye and you do have eye concerns that you want to treat, then an eye cream might be a good option for you. These are going to be tailored to the concerns that you have around the eye. So whether or not you have fine lines and wrinkles, maybe you have dark circles. And are those dark circles caused by hyperpigmentation or are they caused by hollowing? Do you have texture issues around the eye? Are you prone to milia? All these things are going to help you make the decision of what eye cream you want to use. If you're someone who has actual hyperpigmentation under the eye, whether that be a little bit of melasma at the very top of the cheekbone or whether it be truly hyperpigmented dark circles, you want to look for ingredients that are brightening. So these are going to be like your vitamin C, your kojic acid. You might even find one with retinol to increase cellular turnover. There are also great eye creams that can be used in the morning that have actual light reflecting pigments that can help to mask the look of dark circles in the meantime while you're treating them. Dark circles are incredibly hard to treat and they're not always something that we can treat topically, sometimes not at all to be honest with you. But if you're treating them topically, it can be helpful to have those little pigments in the eye cream so that you get that light reflective property and it can help to mask some of it when you can just apply that right underneath your concealer. Some of my favorites for morning time are the Ola Hendrickson. I also love the new Naturium eye creams that are made with these light reflecting pigments. For those who are prone to milia, there's a great one by Dr. Dennis Gross. It's actually a retinol and ferulic eye serum. So it's not heavy. It's not going to clog the pores. And it has that retinol to increase cellular turnover and hopefully prevent future milia. This is also a great option if you're somebody who has hollowing underneath the eye because it can help to increase collagen production down the road. This podcast is brought to you by, well, me. Skinthusiast.com is your one-stop shop for all things skin and beauty. We have so many blog posts that you could educate yourself on skincare all day long. If you want a deeper dive, I hold your hand through creating a skincare regimen from scratch in my comprehensive skincare guide, 
And we have the cutest crewnecks for anyone who's in their skin era. If you're a skin enthusiast, you're going to love it here. Head to skinthusiast.com forward slash shop. After my eye cream, I go in with my treatment steps. So this is going to be different whether I'm talking about my morning regimen or my nighttime regimen. In the morning, my treatment step is almost always dedicated to a vitamin C serum, and there's a reason we recommend these in the morning. Vitamin C is a potent antioxidant that also has synergistic properties with your sunscreen. So that means your vitamin C actually helps your sunscreen protect your skin better. So that's why I always like to recommend it in a morning routine. If you're somebody who has pretty resistant skin, L-ascorbic acid is the most highly studied form of vitamin C. It's the one that you've probably seen and used. It is in Cioferulic. It's in the Dr. Dennis Gross serum. It's in so many of the most popular vitamin C serums, and that's really because we know it works so incredibly well. But if you've used a vitamin C serum in the past and you've noticed that you've been irritated, then you might want to try an analog, something that's lipid-soluble, like THD ascorbate. THD ascorbate is another form of vitamin C that, like I said, is lipid-soluble. That means it has more oil properties to it, and so does our skin barrier. So it can better penetrate the skin without the use of a low pH formulation. When we have ingredients like L-ascorbic acid, they're often in serums that have a low pH, and this is so that it can aid the ingredient and actually penetrating and getting where it needs to go. But this low pH can cause some of that stinging and burning sensation that you might feel. So if you have experienced that, something like THD ascorbate is going to be a better option. My favorite brands are Revision, which has a 30% THD ascorbate, and Covey, which has a 15% THD ascorbate. The Covey is a great product, and it's also a little bit more cost-effective. Both formulations are a nice lotion serum, so they're not going to dry you out. One thing I often note with vitamin C is that I have patients or followers who come back and say, I've been using vitamin C serum for a whole bottle or a whole month and I see no changes. And vitamin C does have some brightening properties. It's something I always add into a regimen with somebody who has hyperpigmentation. However, that's the least exciting thing that vitamin C does. In fact, vitamin C has been clinically shown to increase our collagen over time. It can help with fine lines and wrinkles. So to me, that is much more exciting than some brightening effects because we have so many other ingredients that do that. This means though that you really have to commit to your vitamin C and use it long-term. These are effects that you're not going to see for months or even years down the road. So it's important to find a vitamin C serum that you like applying that your skin tolerates. And that's within your budget because this is something that you're going to be repurchasing over and over and over again and hopefully really be using for the rest of your life. So that will be your treatment serum for the morning time. At night, you'll still have a treatment serum step, but you might opt for something like a brightening serum. These could be things like kojic acid, tranexamic acid, licorice root, ingredients that are meant to stifle hyperpigmentation and turn off those pigment-making cells if you're somebody who deals with that. This is also a good place that you would put your retinol, especially if it's a more gentle formulation. So I like formulations like the Summer Fridays Retinol, like the Naturium Retinol to High. There are so many great ones out there that are nice and gentle that can be placed on clean skin with little to no irritation. And when you're first starting out a retinol or any sort of a retinoid, I recommend using it like every three nights in the beginning and slowly increasing your way up to every single night. 
Again, these more gentle formulations are going to be easier for your skin to tolerate, so you might be able to increase frequency faster, but just give your skin time. Don't overdo it because you're going to end up with irritated, red, peely skin if you are too aggressive with a retinoid in the beginning. Also in this step could be things like peptide serums and growth factors. These are really great classes of ingredients, but until you have your vitamin C and your retinoid down, I wouldn't recommend adding them because... The retinoid, the vitamin C, and the sunscreen are really the foundation of a good skincare routine, so we want to get that foundation set first before we start adding in anything extra. The treatment step, whether it be morning or night, may also be a really good option if you have any sort of topical medications that have been prescribed, and this is because your skin is clean because you've just cleansed it, and you haven't yet applied your moisturizer, so there's nothing to impede penetration of the product. Now, once you're prescribed something from your prescribing provider, they should be giving you these instructions, which step you should use them, how often you should use them, whether you should use them morning or night, but this is just a good rule of thumb. You can think of your treatment step as a good place to put these medications if you have them. But of course, always ask your own prescribing provider. There are some medications that are a little bit nuanced and we apply them differently. If you do choose to use more than one serum in the treatment step, which I don't recommend in the beginning when you're getting your skincare foundation set, if you've been using the same regimen for years and you're wanting to add in an extra serum, you just want to make sure that you're working thinnest to thickest. And that could also look like a more clear serum to a more opaque serum. So for instance, vitamin C is usually a more clear serum. That would go on first before you would add something else on top. Working thinnest to thickest is really just the easiest way to ensure that one, your skincare products are not going to pill on your skin, and two, making sure that you're getting the most efficacy out of each product. Next step in your routine, both morning and night, is going to be a moisturizer. And yes, all skin types can benefit from moisturizers. I often hear that oily skin doesn't need to moisturize because they already have oil, but there are many other benefits that come with a moisturizer. In fact, when I'm looking for a moisturizer, there are three components that are absolutely crucial. I want a humectant, I want an emollient, and I want an occlusive. And this is the most effective use of a moisturizer. So if you're someone with dry skin, you're going to want to look for heavier cream. This might be something like the Skin Fix Barrier Cream or Xerophyte Barrier Repair. These are really going to help to restore a damaged skin barrier. If you're somewhere in between, a lotion formulation is nice. These will often come in pumps because they're not as thick as a cream, which is often in a jar. And you can also look for things like gel creams if you're oily. So those are better options for people with oily skin who don't want that heavy feeling of a cream on their skin. And because so many creams already contain ingredients like niacinamide or humectants, this is a big reason why you'll often not hear me recommending serums that are strictly hydration serums or strictly niacinamide serums. Because so many of our other products already contain these ingredients in them, I think it's kind of silly to add in an extra serum just for that step. Most of these moisturizers and even now sunscreens are so sophisticated that they already have these components within them and we don't need to go and buy an extra serum that could potentially just increase irritation. 
That brings me to the very last step in our routine. If it's morning, it's going to be a sunscreen. So sunscreen is by far the most important step in your entire skincare routine. And that's because it helps to it helps our skin fight free radical damage. It helps to prevent from collagen loss. It helps to prevent fine lines and wrinkles, hyperpigmentation, skin texture, sagging skin, and large pores. Sunscreen is really the most crucial step in our routine. And You'll often hear people like me say that if you're not using a sunscreen, you should flush the rest of your regimen down the toilet, and that's really true. And that's because there's no use in treating your hyperpigmentation or your skin texture or your pores or your fine lines and wrinkles if you're just going out and getting that same damage that is going to reverse all your hard work. UV exposure comes in through the windows. We get cumulative UV exposure when we're walking our dog, taking out our trash or getting our mail or just working in front of a window in an office. So it's really important that we're protecting our skin every single day. For those who have hyperpigmentation like me, I suffer from melasma, I really recommend a tinted daily sunscreen. And that's because in addition to the regular UV benefits from a traditional sunscreen, a tint offers something extra called iron oxides, which gives us added protection from something called visible light. Visible light can make hyperpigmentation like melasma or post-acne marks worse. So by adding in that tinted sunscreen with iron oxides, we're helping to protect from that visible light. If you don't suffer from hyperpigmentation, then a regular non-tinted sunscreen will be just perfect. So that is going to be your entire routine from start to finish. Now I should mention that if you're using a higher strength retinoid, like maybe an adapalene, I actually like to apply that on top of my moisturizer at nighttime. If you want, I can do an entire episode on how to tolerate your retinoids, but that's just one of my tricks for these stronger retinoids. So if that sounds like you, then your last step at night might actually be that instead of your moisturizer. But in general, these rules are going to apply to every skin type and every skin concern. Once you have this down, you can start adding in occasional products like let's say a peel pad or a chemical exfoliant. I wouldn't recommend using those more than once a week or even once every other week in the beginning. And on those days, you want to make sure you're not using your retinoid or any other sort of active or irritating serums. And when it comes to exfoliants, I really like to stick to chemical exfoliants because they're much gentler and actually more effective. I never recommend a scrub. I think I can safely say that that's the one product I've probably never in my life recommended somebody use on their face. And that's again, because I said chemical exfoliants are just as effective, if not more effective, and there's a much lower irritant potential with those kind of exfoliants. So if you feel like you need to exfoliate your skin, opt for a peel pad or an exfoliating serum rather than a scrub. And here are just some little tips and tricks when it comes to getting the most out of your regimen. Once you have cleansed your skin, you want to make sure that you pat it dry if you're going in with anything next that has the potential to cause irritation. So that could be your vitamin C, that could be your retinol. The more damp your skin is, the more the next product is going to penetrate. And while that might seem like a good thing, it can increase the irritation potential of that product. So if you're someone who has sensitive skin, make sure your skin is fully dry before you go on with the next product. And that's going to help curb that a little bit. Another little tip is if you're noticing that your skin is all of a sudden very irritated, you're getting tiny little breakouts, your skin is itchy or red or inflamed, you want to dial way back. Stop all the actives, even if they're actives that have worked for you in the past and never caused an issue. Once your skin is sensitized, then you're more likely to have irritation. So it might be a retinol that you've used for three years, but if you started adding in another serum and now your skin is aggravated and 
sensitized, then you're going to want to dial all the way back. Keep it super simple, just a gentle cleanser, gentle moisturizer, and a gentle sunscreen in the morning. Less is more when it comes to skincare, so you really want to keep things simple. I think five steps is a very generous routine. I would never really recommend going more than that. We see seven-step, ten-step skincare routines, and it's just unnecessary. And again, that irritation potential is going to be much higher when you're using more products because you don't know how they're going to jive together and you don't know how they're going to work on your skin. So less is more, and when you do decide to start something new, make sure that you start it very slowly and only one new thing at a time. That way, if you do have a reaction, you can tell which product it's from. So that is a framework for a good skincare routine from start to finish, both morning and night. If you have any questions, always feel free to DM me over on Instagram at Amy Coberling, and I can answer any of your skin questions there. Let me know if there is an episode that you want to hear. And as always, I would so appreciate if you rate and review our show. It helps it get in front of people like you who are looking for the skin and beauty advice. I'll talk to you next week.